0: Okay, I got the recorder going.
1: Okay, this is John Mergendoller, the West Coast disciple of Yoda. <laughs> I am setting uh, the context for this call. I think there are two, two things, at least, we want to accomplish. One was just sort of a debrief on the conference, the NTLS meeting in Washington. And the second was to discuss some of the points that Jason has been raising in his emails.
2: Right.
0: Jason, uh,
2: what's your agenda maybe to introduce uh, introduce Kathleen and John who haven't met
3: okay. and also Jason did you mention that you want to talk back through um, some just some conceptual stuff about delicious or you know some other systems for doing this stuff
2: well, the thought that I had before I listened to these MP3s that you posted was that I felt that my ideas about wanting some professional development around these tools mm-hmm. Still made sense, and I, I felt that it—that was I agree. as it came to me as I realized that I wasn't feeling comfortable knowing how to tag things in delicious and knowing which tags to use and. Uh-huh. Apparently, it may not matter, and I may be thinking about it the wrong way.
0: I'm not sure that Clay Shirky has the whole picture. It may be important to think about tags, and it may not just emerge organically. But I felt that his philosophy provides a lens on one perspective that helps inform the conversation.
4: Mm, Okay. Listen, if you look at the way Delicious does it, they actually have an interesting combination of both uh, a controlled vocabulary in a way and, and kind of wild, wild west tags, uh, so that from Turkey's perspective, it's really that the the large groups of people will will cluster around certain tags, and it'll make sense through large numbers, and the question is whether we're going to actually get that in education is unclear to me. I'm personally of the taxonomy camp as opposed to the folksonomy camp, although I'm being persuaded that uh, folksonomies are good, but I I actually like a suggested controlled vocabulary, I guess, which I guess tags onto to... some of the comments you were making in your email.
3: And there's going to be certain taxonomies that get a lot of traction for teachers. You know, content area, grade level, standards, we want to have all that, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a question of, um, you know, what other taxonomies should there be, and that includes folksonomy. So, I me, I, I, I'm very Catholic with a small c. I like it all. So I think that the number one thing is that people are able to tag and that they're able to browse following whatever... Taxonomy or folksonomy makes sense for them.
0: Right. Jason, I, I thought you made a very important point about the transition from the conceptual to the applied. But when you start tagging in Delicious, if you're not sure what button to click, it comes to a screeching halt very quickly.
2: Well, I'm really questioning what's practical is very different from Clay's and maybe. Our perspective as we're thinking of our role as teacher educators. I'm just not sure what what's practical for information science may not be practical for mm-hmm. teacher education, or it may mean may completely rewrite teacher education in ways that we have to consider. That's what I'm really struggling with is what the implications are if Clay is right. The
3: number one thing to avoid is. As soon as you, I would start out saying, I, I want to restructure all of teacher education, I think that we're in the hole and probably not going to get very far right there. That you have to work with the existing system, but that doesn't have to be the, the boundary of it, you know, you can go beyond that, I think.
0: One thing next year we might want to do is just give people an orientation to delicious, or better yet, maybe give them an orientation to delicious. The
3: prototype of what we want.
0: Exactly.
3: Some working version, uh, and, and, and it just has to be an approximation, just get something functional out there so that people can play with it and then we can refine it, it doesn't have to be I have a question.
1: Is, is there a useful distinction between settings in which there is an organized program of teacher education going on and sort of more, more of a marketplace setting where people will come and use what they want and not use what they want and, and are, are able to vote with their feet and choose, choose how to spend their time and actions and so forth?
0: Mm -hmm. I I think that last setting is the more interesting one, John. Randy Hanson is coming down from Discovery Uh to have a conversation with us, because I feel like Discovery has had to stand the test of the marketplace where people do vote with their feet. And I was really interested in how they experienced such a success in both building community and getting people to do many of the same things that we're interested
3: in. And I would also say that uh, the more we can have sort of strategic alliances with programs of teacher ed, um, and so that we can be in dialogue with them, and maybe they adopt intensively some portions of what we're talking about, I think that that wouldn't hurt and wouldn't necessarily pull us away from um, the, the bigger vision. So, for example, UVA is one of the uh, teachers for new era schools, and so we're automatically in the booths with uh, four other schools of ed. Um, right. And they're... they're pretty committed to, I think, technology. And they're more ambitious than your average fair when it comes to that. And there's already channels for dialogue there. So I would think that we could at least talk to them and then see if there would be interest you know, as we develop and getting, what do they have to say, what would be useful to them as a program of teacher at And then maybe even get it used. Because I don't think anybody's going to say open educational content. Nah, I don't like that. But they're going to be open to it at some level. The other
0: thing that may help us is figuring out how we can blend a mix of successful proprietary systems and open systems. The perfect example for me is the one that Bill Furster suggested. Teachers are making inspiration templates by the thousand. Inspiration is a proprietary uh, program, but the templates can be freely shared. So you have these interesting intersections in the border between the two parts of the continuum.
1: Well, this is similar to the uh, sketches, right, for, from... John, we were talking quite a bit to Steve Rasmussen. He was saying there's a whole cottage industry about creating sketches.
0: There are thousands of sketches, so I think that's another great example. It's a win-win scenario in that it helps the vendor extend their market, but it also results in free exchange of ideas and content.
4: And, and, and John, when you you brought up that kind of uh, division between the the more formalized teacher ed and the kind of free-for-all market economy,
1: what did you have in mind as being the difference between the two? Well, I'm really thinking along, I think I'm thinking along Jason's lines, in the, in just in the sense that when you have a controlled situation, when you've got a class, it's UVA, that you take to get your teacher's credential, then the participant, the teacher candidate, is going to be willing to do things and invest time and energy in ways that won't necessarily be true once they're out in the marketplace and just doing what they want to do with their time. hmm so I think you can have different expectations about creating a, a mass of users or, I mean, you can. it seems to me it's a different, it's just a whole different kettle of fish if you've got a, a professor there who's going to be grading or at least passing people either through an in-service program or a pre-service program. Problems sort of get solved, but when it, it's the marketplace, which is the more tricky one to me. You would
4: certainly solve for the marketplace and let the, the teacher ed be the, the one that comes along for the ride in a sense because you're you're solving the more difficult and, and one that needs more, more
0: scaffolding. Let me give you an example of the way you can go between those two worlds. Currently, we're working with the History Department at the University of Virginia and the Center for Digital History to work with history classes that will catalog content related to history. This is part of their class assignment. Once it's cataloged and goes into the database, it can be freely used by teachers. At the same time, we're having a conversation with the Arlington Schools just outside Washington, D.C. They're working with the Library of Congress on a related project in which teachers themselves are generating content for history teaching at the at the k-12 level in this context these two projects can inform and reinforce one another I think this is the case where just getting a corner of the problem where we can have success will give us an object to think with and and then maybe we can try to build it out into other content areas
2: yeah that's exciting to me because you brought in the student who's the learner there and sometimes I worry that we're one of the things that these technologies do is they're going to let students learn in completely new ways and do really far-out things that we haven't imagined, and so I'm glad you're able to bring in what the students are doing there with the cataloging for history as part of their class assignment.
3: Well, and part of, then, what we might want to think about as we organizing catalog resources within this database is that when a teacher submits stuff, it's great if they can also point us at samples of student work, and that that would be, that would make something a richer resource than if it didn't have those accompanying samples. But how would that
2: happen in that if you took the folksonomy path, how would, how would history get cataloged differently than having teachers using the Library of Congress model? It would, would somehow be different.
0: One of our things that we admire is National History Day. What's great about that system is it encourages participation that then gets where exemplary work is identified at all levels, regional, state, national, but they don't go the last step. They don't make it available once they go to all this work. <coughs> I think giving teachers a way to identify exemplary content and float it to the top is what these social systems are going to allow us to do.
4: The other thing, there there really isn't a a, uh,
0: tension between
4: the folksonomy and the the taxonomy either. There are ways to make them work and and play nicely together. I personally believe that there has to be some, like Thomas said earlier, there's some things like content area, uh, grade level Th- those, those are kind of fixed categories that that are, are important and well understood and might be good to call grade, grade seven everywhere. And other things are, are, are a little more loosey goosey.
2: Well I want to go back to what Glenn mentioned earlier, I think about some kind of orientation being offered in the future. And I also want to remind folks who may not have listened to Kathleen's bit that she seemed to be interested in some fairly intense professional mm-hmm. development herself. Yeah. And, and
4: um, right. And she represents enough op- with that with that kind of teacher power
2: she represents you know, critical mass in that, sure. that, uh... The point that I wanted to make is that, Glenn, when you say we would give them an orientation to Delicious, we can, we can think about that orientation as a face-to-face session, but involving an online component that could operate independently and be used by others. Yeah. So I'm imagining it would be a reusable workshop slash online course or module, that we would use in face-to-face and show people how to use it, but then they could go back to their institutions and use it in the same way. So that as I left the session on the third floor there, I would say, oh, I'm going to go back to BIE and show people how to do this.
0: Ideally, what we would do, Jason, would be try this out locally with a couple of few teachers and then offer it as a workshop or a tutorial at the side conference possibly even spin it out at NECC so that we have a few shots at it before we get back to the summit next
2: year. Teach them delicious. It would have to be more yeah, than it has that. It would have to, have to, to be teach them it. delicious with some, some kind of educational value added. Don't you think?
0: I agree. That's exactly what we're talking about.
2: Well, The other topic that hasn't come up is the evaluation and research question and how that's done in a more open way. But I think that the the use of the criteria if you have tags that are somehow evaluative, if you will, um, and that would begin to support the uh, feedback and research and evaluation side of things, too. And, again, I'm wondering about how that works in a more open way.
3: Do you remember in StumbleUpon how there's a thumbs up and a thumbs down or a dig the same way? yeah that uh that's one very simple folksonomic way for people to provide feedback mm-hmm. now, on the other hand, we'd also have to have something there so that if somebody wanted to give like more granulated feedback that they could be they, that could be made available to them you know if they want to rate it on different uh, different scales for you know different qualities if they want to um, write a description of what's going on. uh, Are you
4: talking about efficacy in terms of the the program as a whole or efficacy of individual resources?
2: I was thinking more individual resources. Okay. Although although I think the program as a whole should produce people who are able to identify and create more highly rated. And there
3: should be some designation of people who have somehow been found to be extra competent in providing feedback. And so when they give that more detailed feedback, it counts for more. So, for example, somebody, let's say from AFT, let's say we do a 40-hour course. People who've gone through that 40-hour course um, and have, you know, they got it, we would um, take their ratings and categorize them, sure, in the group pool, but then also categorize them in the expert pool so that uh, somebody who wanted to say, well, man, the people who are really deep on this. What do they think? That should be available as a different lens. Currently,
0: when you use Delicious, you, in, or, in order to post to your personal account, you have to register. If we had a similar system, our version of Delicious, that's educationally oriented, when you register, you could have given the opportunity to indicate your credentials. That, that is, that your license for middle school social studies or, or some way of indicating where your area of expertise is. If you did that, then you could give the thumbs up or thumbs down only for resources in their area.
2: The thumbs up and thumbs down, I think, is a good example, and I, I think there is something to the expert versus novice rating. But I, when when we tried something like this, the question was it was more an emphasis about how this could be useful or. Um, or what it would take to use the resource or to make it more useful. It wasn't, it wasn't an authoritative uh, evaluation. It wasn't explicitly so evaluative. It was more which of these nice uses could you envision.
0: Jason, didn't you tell me that it generated helpful feedback for the developers?
2: That was in the context of uh, an, o- an online course that I taught where we spent a week on each tool and we would read the articles that they had published, and then we would go and we would use each person. There would be an assignment that required you to go in and use the tool, like an online concept mapping assessment tool.
0: I think it would be wonderful if this could then be a resource that would kick the feedback back to the developer of the tool, just so that they could have a sense of what people thought might be helpful.
2: Right. Well, we could do this at a meta level with tools, like Delicious would be one tool and Flickr would be another tool. Or we could do it in our own system and where would be rating where the tool that would be rated would be teacher's project or what have you. But, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that you have to find uh, people who are interested in participating, but I think it could be done. A lot of places actually have large resources for development and not for dissemination and evaluation. The and ability and we, to get feedback is, is valued. Oh, yeah. And, and there's uh, an article that I can point you to that, I, that, got, that wrote up the courses that we did and how we do it, if you
4: want. The granularity, getting, getting back to, I your, your original question was, and it's not just thumbs up and thumbs down on the resource itself, but the idea was that, that there would be a set of, uh, of uh, context-specific or content-specific Specific criteria, it's, you know, like resources probably are going to be different than social studies resources. Age appropriate stuff is it accurate? Is it if you look at that teacher pay teacher, they had a bunch of them. Was it clear? Did it what could it teach? Was it enjoyable or something mm-hmm. like that? Accuracy, obviously, is a big one, right? Quality in general, but and theirs were pretty general. The real trick in this one is actually coming up with what how do you know good when you see it,
1: right? And, and how
4: can you quantify some of the factors that that, that talk about good and if you set it up in a way that there's enough real granularity to these different factors, can you then people can comment on them and say, Yeah, I I thought it worked really well or four plus five does not equal six. You know, so it's got a negative on, on
2: that one or or doesn't you know, it's too hard to use, or whatever the factors end up being. Right. Well, some of those too hard to use is one that you can imagine people doing informally. I think the questions of quality, this is why putting it into a professional development setting makes sense where you really want to dig into, you know, what is what is the meaning of accuracy and. Right. Are the, are, you know, what's a good definition or what's a good problem statement? Right. Or, and is, that's this, or professional is this a good design? I, I think there should be open, reusable criteria and you can kind of cobble together whatever list you want. And yeah start collecting really good questions that we if we can think of a few questions that we really want people to consider when they look at these and respond in the way... Right, and, and professional development
4: would be a fabulous uh, formative assessment tool here, and, or a formative development tool really more, more than an assessment, for working out these categories and figuring out what it is that works for teachers.
2: The question is really what is what is quality and how, what are the qualities that we want to focus on?
3: Right. And we're going to have to think about that. The charge was to go back to their content area associations and try to get this conversation going there because there's going to be somebody or several somebody's there who are interested in this. And I mm-hmm. do think that these indicators of quality are going to be pretty specific to the content areas. Or the more specific it is to your content area, the more useful that indicator of quality is. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And a lot of indicators of quality have already been developed for certain types of resources, anyway. Uh-huh. In that case, it may be just a question of picking out the best ones and deciding to really kind of and, and since show what an implementation of those would
3: be. Uh-huh. And, and, assuming that we embrace a philosophy of iterative refinement here, um, we just have to get some initial stakes in the ground and try it out. Um, and we probably would want to have a mix of sort of uh, what are naive or intuitive indicators of quality mixed in with some more content-specific or more, t- you know, carefully thought through indicators of quality. Um, but just let's get it floated and uh, run it around a little bit and see how, how people like it.
2: If, if you like, I, I could um, present to you sometime the way the BIE pilot system worked. I mean, there were a set of authorable criteria, and you could reuse them. And then also look at some of the criteria from even a number of years ago, some of the issues that the National School Network forum was looking at are still potentially of interest concerning interactivity, you know, what it allows students to do, and so on. What's the What's the process for developing something like this?
4: We just have to agree on what we want to do, and then I don't think it's a very difficult task. I think the hardest part is deciding what what the scope of the project is, and, and uh, the technical side of it, I think is, it's fairly straightforward, and it's really just getting consensus on a starting set, and then uh, a, uh, enough resources to actually pull it together, a test bed, so to speak. Mm-hmm. and uh, And then a, a place to get feedback on that whole uh, conglomeration, which sounds like uh, sounds like you guys could probably pull together some professional development opportunities that would be great for for thinking about that process and getting some you know, iterative feedback on, gee, these, these things work, these don't. This idea works, this is popular.
3: You know, that kind of an idea. And, and we can, if nothing else, run it in some classes here at UBA that, um, you know, all of the grad students, most of the grad students, teach, uh, pre service teachers. Uh, some of the methods professors were pretty simpatico with, and they would be int- open to integrating this into their classes. So, I mean, we, we can do a little bit of field testing right off the bat, plus I'm sure you guys have connections. Um, and then AFT. Mm-hmm. There's going to be at least some subset of of them who'd be interested in driving us around the block.
5: This is Kathy McGuigan of AFC. I'm
3: sorry I was late, Paul. Kathy, we're so glad you could join us. (laughs) Thanks. I'd like to introduce two
0: people. John Mergendoller is the Executive Director of the Buck Institute of Education.
1: Hello, Kathy.
5: Hello.
0: Jason Rabbits is the Research Director for the Buck Institute. Hi. Hi. We also have on the call Bill Furster, who is the current CEO of Stage Tools, but also is working in the Curry School, finishing up his doctorate, and will be a senior scientist position here once he finishes.
5: You have a lot of spare time, Bill, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some things take longer than others. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hammond is here. Tom is also in the thick of this. <laughs>
3: Hello. Good to meet you. Hello, Tom. I enjoyed your podcast.
4: By uh, aggregating consensus among academics about what good is, what, what good qualities are, and then trying to build a, a site that, that can aggregate resources from a variety of different places, I think it would get that outreach that you're that you're aiming uh, at uh, to be a reality.
2: Yeah. Well, I I it seems I think I've seen it work. I mean, I, for Kathleen's benefit, I'll just say I've been involved in a couple projects where we've tried to educate teachers about online resources by having them review them in some systematic or interactive way where that knowledge was then captured. I think that the question is how, where this runs into these more open ideas, if we could ever get informal use of this.
0: In my mind, Jason, the target audience would be an AFT member, a teacher out there in the field. The Pew Foundation says the number one reason teachers don't use Internet resources is the difficulty of getting matched up with resources that are appropriate. Kathy's already started to build the T-Source. Did you get a chance to look at the T-Source? Yeah, I did. She's already thinking about this, how we can bring it down to the practical applied level for their members.
4: The problem with Willow and JAM and all these other things is they end up being silos. There isn't enough critical mass, not enough content in any one place, to to make it uh, worthwhile to, to get get enough people, enough eyeballs in order to make this kind of social networking work. The hard part is now is how do we, how do we get enough people looking at them and rating them with, using this good criteria that we come up with and uh, and have enough resources to make it worthwhile for them to go there.
0: Kathy's pretty clear that she has no problem with collaboration, but we probably should let her speak for herself. Kathy? Yeah. No, I don't. I
5: definitely don't. I mean, one of the things we're looking at, uh, T-Source is like, it, it's the foundation of of, of what we're trying to build. It doesn't even really, me honestly, scratch the surface of what, what the thinking is behind it. We want to provide an area, and our thought was serving our members. So it, this would be a, a community site for our members, so that it would be teacher to teacher, and it really wouldn't be prescripted by the National. It was an opportunity for them to connect with one another. And as we're looking at building out these, these message boards, if you will, the idea is that we're also looking at building um, a database of relevant websites for teachers because you all know there is, there's a lot, there's too much out, out there that is, that is not of high quality. And so if we can start identifying what is high quality, what are teachers using, what's worth their time to look at, um, and then give them the avenue to start talking about those types of resources – why don't we develop the CNET for, for teacher resources? We're willing to take a look at it from a very small segment of it and say, okay, we'll discuss, we'll discuss websites for teachers, not necessarily focus on all the, the websites out there for students and, you know, all, all the activities, but what help, helps the teacher in his or her profession. And that way we can, it, it's a controlled place, but in looking at building out the system, I want to think about the system that can import much more than just that 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 small segment. So that's why you know when I came across uh, Glenn's article, it, it really resonated with me that you know this conversation is going on somewhere else, and and I, and I'm not there. <laughs> so um, so the one thing that AST has now are our teachers. Oh. We have the essentially the garden variety teacher. Probably in
2: an urban district. I I guess a question for me, and I enjoyed listening to your podcast as well, is that you're also talking about some participation, professional development. Absolutely. Well, one of the things I've been struggling with is the information management side of making these high quality resources available, making them as easy as possible to to make that judgment of quality more participatory. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was talking about these expert review panels. It seems to me the expert reviewers learned so much from that experience. Mm-hmm. So I was interested in hearing more about the kind of professional development program that you're developing.
5: Yeah, well, the, there's a couple of things with the professional development and tech integration. That program is called Teacher Leadership Project, and we're talking with the the group that um, developed that curriculum to look at adopting or adapting that for our members, so that through our professional development channels, which are, which are face-to-face courses, that we can put that into our bag of offerings, and that's something new for us as an organization, because we've spent the last 25 years defining and refining the professional development we think is best for for, you know, in reading and math. We've never really gone out and brokered and said, yes, this is is what's going to work. But if we don't start doing that, we'll never move beyond reading and math.
0: So, so Kathy, one of the things that we're in a conversation about currently is designing, ideally with the Buck Institute and with you and anyone else who may be interested, prototype for a tool that we could use just as a starting point to think about this. Bill, could you give her the elevator speech, the 30-second
4: yeah are you familiar with i'm sure you've you've been on eBay before? oh yeah you No, know, and dig and all those all those ones that are basically social social uh, uh, software type things where right. people write things. Well the idea is is to get enough people the, those things and, and this is what I was saying I think when you, when you came in the conversation is that those things only work if you have a lot of people right because otherwise you know five um, if you only have five people and there's one guy uh, says something. That's wrong. Twenty percent of your your audience is wrong. But over, you know, well, over, over time, you get enough people, then then you get these things
0: to to rate. I got a question for you. What uh, is eight hundred thousand enough people?
4: I don't know. You know, it's a little light, but <laughs> I mean, that's the good news here.
5: Right. Well, you're 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 also basing that on can all eight hundred thousand people turn on the computer?
4: <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So four hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> In any anyway, event, the idea is to is to uh, have a, a trusted third party site that is not affiliated with the company or, or, or a union, for that matter. Right. That, that essentially comes up with a with a rating scheme of resources.
5: Who are you thinking? What What does that panel look like uh, of the of those who are doing the rating?
4: It, it really could be almost anybody. But as we were talking before you got online, some people have some some people's votes are worth more than others. Mm-hmm. But in general. It will it, be fairly democratic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, are
5: you talking about having representatives from higher ed, from K twelve, from? No, teachers. Well, oh, so you're you're talking teachers?
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, and it could be anybody, but but the predominant uh, it's going
2: to be teachers. Yeah. Right, and my what, and the point that I was trying to make is that rating of quality is a valuable professional development for right. teachers. And we also discussed the possibility that that might provide feedback to the developer of the resource, and can generate some interesting uh, conversation.
5: Sure, yeah, I mean, and that's the other part of it. Uh, you know, I had a conversation. There's someone on staff who writes for our um, our monthly, and uh, about 10 years ago or 12 years ago, he would work with when Encarta came out and said, "Look, we're going to have." couple of our teachers review this, why don't, you go ahead, why don't you go ahead and send them a package? And so they were able to, to, to get some reviews, and, and then it was something that we published. And it was very time intensive because a lot of these products cost money. How do you get them in the hands of these reviewers in the, in the, in the, in the, at the beginning of this?
2: I think that it's important it's not just individuals that would be doing the ratings, but, I mean, you would have groups, like you would have classes or universities that kind of all bought into similar criteria, mm-hmm. right? And so that would be easily aggregated. So you might partner with a partner-reviewing organization that had your audience for that product.
5: How do you identify or how do – is it the, the company who is selling aware or is it is it is it an individual who has a program or – Let's say I'm enrolled in in a program at Pepperdine, and uh, you know, a, a, an online program. And you know, a, a, am I going to submit that for rating? You know, I, I love the program, but someone else may have hated the program. Yes. Uh, okay.
4: Well, why? so
5: yeah, anybody it's could, me bringing anybody it can to the, the table, way. not Pepperdine bringing it to the table.
4: If they could. It really wouldn't matter who brought it to the table. Uh, the more people to bring it to table, the better, frankly. Um,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. We had a system where any time you submitted a review, you could provide your own site that you wanted others to review.
1: Before that, I just want to jump in. This is John Mergendoller, and I've got an 11 o'clock meeting I've got to go to. So I'm going to leave the call, and thank you very much. Bye-bye.
5: Bye. I have a 2 o'clock meeting that I have to run to as well. But uh, I, I did want to say... Have you taken a look at the Teachers Pay Teachers site? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just very interesting that you don't get a whole lot of what it is. And I, I, I would be hard-pressed to see where someone would spend $5 and you can't see a whole lot. I would like to continue this conversation because I think that there's some crossover and I think that, our you know, what what you're thinking of is something that our members could definitely benefit from. And if I can get you in touch with some of our members and also work with NEA and, you know, I mean, again, uh-huh. b- between the two organizations, we're, we're talking public schools, so... Well, I appreciate, I appreciate all the time, and uh, I will look forward to working together.
2: Great. Excellent. Hey. Take care. Care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'd like a chance, maybe sometime we could uh, do some video sharing or screen sharing. Do you have a tool for doing that?
0: We tend to use NetMeeting a lot.
2: Why don't we do that? Okay. One of the things in the talk that we listen to is that you can – the shelves with high-quality things based on the use patterns, you know, automated generated use patterns. And then I can't remember the metaphor that he used, but you don't build the container and then fill it up. You start with the content and then you build the container. So maybe the informal sharing and the kind of bubble-up process Uh identifies what teachers are really liking and using. And, then, right, and our are, then our tagging is more of an analysis of, well, why is it that this site is so popular or why is it that there's so many thumbs up? But what about the blog, you guys? Are you guys still going after that?
0: If we can keep it going and post summaries, then it will allow you to bring in other people.
2: Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I thought the correspondence we had earlier this morning was interesting. I think maybe now that we've had this conversation, we could do better um, Do you want to just post a summary to that?
0: Okay. Jason, could you go back and, in light of this conversation, update those, and then I'll follow up with a summary. I'll incorporate
2: your response to my email as well. I'll start a
0: post saying that we had a follow-up conversation and that we're going to make an audio summary of the conversation available. Here's a place for follow-up comments, not only by the participants, but by anybody else that wants to be involved.
2: That sounds like a good idea. Perfect. Okay, great. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.